Welcome to Blue Line, the podcast hosted by Blue Line, Canada's only independent national magazine for law enforcement. You've tuned in to hear compelling conversations on hot topics and trends with law enforcement professionals and personalities from across Canada. This episode is brought to you by Goodyear Eagle Enforcer, the recognized leader for police pursuit tires. Goodyear has the tires and technology to help your police fleet perform at its best, no matter the weather. Pursue confidently. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Blue Line the Podcast. I'm Renee Franca, the editor of Blue Line Magazine. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're speaking with Michelle Vincent, an 18-year police officer with York Regional Police, and she is a woman on a mission. More on that in a second. Michelle has worked in a variety of units from investigative, community service, right up to the front line. She has worked with many first responders with PTSD and other mental health challenges. She is fully trained in what she calls the Outstanding Reintegration After a Critical Incident Program, which is from the Edmonton Police. And she's in the process of implementing the first nonprofit treatment center that will be occupationally specific for first responders. It's called The Haven. You've seen it mentioned on Blue Line's website and social media, and I can't wait to get to tell you more about that. She holds a Master's of Arts in Counseling Psychology and a background in Equine Assisted Therapy, registered with the Canadian Counseling and Psychotherapy Association, as well as the International Society for Traumatic Stress Studies. She is also a PhD candidate in Forensic Psychology with a specialization in Crisis Response. Oh, and last but not least, we cannot forget to mention, since you probably recognize her name from our very own magazine pages, She's been the columnist for Blue Line's Holding the Line column for as long as I've been with the magazine, and I am just so honored to have her here in the studio with me today. Michelle, thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me, Renee. The pleasure and the honor is truly mine. Awesome, and thanks for coming all the way down from YRP. I guess it's not that far. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so we're going to start off with a, a kind of fun question. One word to describe yourself, and go. Hmm. Inspired. Beautiful. Yeah. Really. Okay. Yeah. Inspired. Yes. And then that's the moment uh, in, in the moment right now. You're in the that. moment. Beautiful. Yes. Okay. I think we're going to get into that a yes. little bit more I think further on. Okay. So stay tuned, everybody. So 18 years, uh, you've been a police officer. There's lots that's been going on. Um, your bio is much longer than what I included in the intro. So, you know, take us back to 18 years ago. Um, you're a fresh face uh, starting out with YRP. How did you come about this career choice? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it was certainly not uh, the traditional way most people would uh, enter the police force. Most people will say, oh, you know, I've dreamed of being a police officer all my life. And for me, it's, it's not that at all. As a matter of fact, if you would have suggested that I'd be a police officer, um, I would have said you're, you're crazy. Because for me, policing was about guns and shootings mm. and all this kind of thing. I had no idea uh, that it was serving your community. Um, so basically what happened was my sister um, was working with police officers and became a police officer herself. Okay, I don't she, know that. She was living with me at the time and she would come home with these incredible stories of her work within the community as a police officer and I realized that that was definitely my calling. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. So you joined the ranks at YRP? I did, yes. Awesome. Best decision ever. Fantastic. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about the journey with YRP. You were based, um, uh, where exactly? Were you up in Newmarket? 
Um, my first, so, uh, well, our training is the regular training piece, mm -hmm. and um, my first um, district was two district in Richmond Hill, which I love because I had a really great opportunity to work with various cultures. Richmond Hill is beautifully culturally diverse. Mm -hmm. And coming from a small town, I'm originally from Elliott Lake, Ontario, which was very non-culturally diverse. Uh, it allowed me to really grow and, and learn. And I came on the job quite a bit later on. I was 32 mm -hmm. with uh, three children at the time. Wow. So a later career start for me uh, in gotcha. terms of policing. Was that quite the adjustment? It was a huge yeah, adjustment, absolutely. Yes, yeah. Awesome. I was at home with my children for 10 years and did some teaching as well. I was a teacher as well. And so um, the four on, four off schedule was, uh, was a huge adjustment mm -hmm. and yet it was uh, perfect from a parenting perspective. You know, it was, uh, I was uh, able to spend much more time at home with the, with the family it allowed for. No regrets. Mm -hmm. No regrets. Fantastic. Okay. And I know you are a board member of the Critical Incident Stress Management Team, CISM. Um, so, you know, how did that start? Why was that something you wanted to be a part of? Yes. Um, well, actually, um, a police officer, a colleague of mine, uh, when I was in the recruiting unit, he was a member of our CISM team. And I would sort of listen to what he was doing in terms of education and information and supporting our members on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And I realized that um, my, my love for mental health and whatnot um, would be a perfect fit in terms of volunteering within the organization. So I became a member of our critical incident stress management team and then um, down the road became a call-up coordinator which I currently am as well, and a board member as well. I'm a police uh, representative um, on the board. It's, it's um, regional, regionally based. It's not, um, so it's a, a tri-service uh, specific um, resource. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, all-encompassing that yes. way, I suppose. Uh, mental health, it's such a hot topic uh, right now, um, a sensitive topic. Uh, take me to... Um, inside the world of SISM and, you know, some of the research there. I, I know uh, I've talked about it taking some heat, uh, you know, due to people say sometimes it's pathologizing or medicalizing uh, normal responses to trauma. So I'm, I'm curious, I want to get your thoughts um, based on your experience uh, with SISM. There really has been a lot of um, uh, discussion, I'll say, um, in regards to SISM. And um, I think when I, when I look from a, a research perspective, there isn't a lot of research that's been done from an evidence-based perspective where we can really truly say whether it's effective or isn't effective. I, I, my knowledge and information is that it is effective. However, I think what they're talking about when it comes to SISM and its effectiveness are debriefings, which is only a small piece of the SISM function. It's a wonderful resource within our organization at York Regional Police. Um, it's one of two great resources. We have a fantastic peer support team as well. Um, and our SISM team does a lot more information and education after a critical incident, uh, reaching out, uh, member checks and whatnot, uh, than, than debriefings themselves. Debriefings have always been successful from my experience. Again, I can't speak for everybody else. Mm. Everybody has their own experience. Gotcha. No, I appreciate that. And I, I know uh, at YRP, just based on our conversations, it's, uh, well, not only one of the leading edge police organizations, but it's, uh, it's always evolving, right? So SISM has always been evolving. So. Absolutely. No, I appreciate that. And it's been with us forever. It's, it's right since uh, 
since the beginning. So awesome. There you go. Okay, the PhD. I mean, you got to tell me about how that's coming along. There's just so much going on, but uh, tell me more about that journey uh, in the academic world. It was just um, sort of a natural progression. I've always loved education. I didn't have any idea how much I was going to love it um, uh, to this point, to the point of actually considering doing a PhD. <laughs> Even uh, my master's degree, I swore I would never uh, embark in that journey. And, and uh, when I completed my master's degree in counseling psychology, I said, there's absolutely no way I'm going any further. This is fantastic. I'm grateful. And then uh, lo and behold, here I am, uh, almost done my, my PhD in forensic psychology. So. Um, it's been fantastic. It's been an incredible experience in terms of mental health networking mm. and research and information and, and being current on, on practices, um, both in, in academia as well as um, organizationally, um, nationally and internationally. My, my PhD is, is being done um, on an international level. At the, my school is Very an international cool. school. And as a result, I've had an opportunity to really um, embrace other organizations on an international level and wow. how they ma uh, manage their mental health. Wow. Um, wow. In so policing. just to do compare and contrast and exactly. see what, what is all going out there. Because I, I know the information sharing component of it. Sometimes we, we are in our silos. It's not as bad of an issue, I think, as it was before, right? Thanks to technology and whatnot. But we get into our tunnel vision silos and, and forget that there's uh, perhaps a better way that has already been invented and we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And that's that's a really great point you make because that's exactly it. Uh, there's It's very rare that we have to reinvent anything. Right. There's usually an organization somewhere that has a fantastic way of dealing with a particular issue or or challenge, and um, this is a great way of, of coming across those those great resources. Um, I also found that uh, just even connecting with researchers uh, at the PhD level in universities nationally and internationally are really great in terms of making sure that uh, we're up to date on our resources, that we're conducting research on best uh, practices, mm. evidence-based. Evidence yep. Yeah, I think that connection between academia and, uh, you know, the, the boots on the ground, so to say, uh, is vital. That's that's where some magic really really starts to happen in terms of collecting the research we don't have to then make better decisions for for everybody. Exactly, and it gives us a holistic approach. Um, I'm I'm feel I'm so appreciative being a police officer having um, my master's in counseling psychology, so seeing the therapeutic side of things, as well as um, now this uh, journey on my PhD from a research perspective in terms of programming, um, development and implementation. Mm. I, I'm fortunate enough to have a great holistic experience when I'm networking and uh, sh information sharing with people so that we can bring the best that we can to our services, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially for mine with York Regional Police. We like to make sure that we have the best of the best. At the leading edge, we're, we're, we're top notch in that area. It so. sounds <laughs> like it. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, back to the, the networking, you, you talked about networking and mental health. Um, I know mental health is a passion of yours, uh, so not just um, you know serving your community, but mental health for, for your colleagues and your officers uh, is one of your top passions. So are, are you able to share maybe a specific anecdote or one of your most memorable moments over the, the career um, with the law enforcement uh, in terms of what was an instant that really pushed you onwards in that mental health uh, journey? Well, I have many. Mm. Uh, I, I, I put you on the think, spot, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um, 
this may not sound like a monumental discovery. However, one of the pieces that I think is really key in the successful delivery of mental health resources within our policing organizations is understanding that it's not necessarily the traumatic incident that we attend as police officers. And I'm going to assume that it may even be applicable to firefighters and paramedics as well. It's not necessarily the traumatic incident that we've experienced. It's the way in which the organization manages us subsequent to that attendance. And this has come to light for me through my colleagues, um, through SISM check-ins after incidents, critical incidents they've attended. Uh, also through research. Hmm. Um, research has also shown that when your organization makes you feel valued subsequent to um, an incident, a traumatic incident or a critical incident, your ability to be resilient and your, your ability to heal and to move forward in a, healthy, in a mentally healthy manner is much more likely. The statistics are much higher for those individuals. And that's why I became so excited and involved with the reintegration after critical incident program with Edmonton Police, which is actually what I'm doing my dissertation on. Um, because, you know, after my, my dissertation is on a line of duty shooting and having a resource like reintegration after critical incident subsequent to a line of duty shooting really sends a message that we care about what happens to you it, after the incident is done. We, we will continue caring about you and we'll provide um, the necessary support that you need through this actual programming. Amazing. Is that one of the things you would say is, is lacking right now for, for officers in the mental health arena? Is, is that kind of uh, support? Definitely, yeah. definitely. I, we, we all have good intentions. Right. I mean, our organizations are doing the best they can um, in providing the resources that we need. And there are all kinds of, of emergent um, issues that are going on within our organizations. I think the mental health uh, issue is a root problem and, and not problem. It's, it's just, it's, it's going to happen. It is happening. And so if we can look at it from a preventative perspective. It's interesting. I liken it to our annual requalification. We have our uh, annual requalification on our shooting, on defensive tactics, so we do scenarios, and we, we don't have anything on mental health. And I, I, I would love to see the province um, and maybe our, our country um, have a mental health uh, requalification as well annually yeah. on top of that. That's just one piece right, of right. many oh, that for sure. I would say. I 100% support that. You almost think it would be a given, you know? Yes, uh, absolutely. It's, it's, such a, it's such a crucial now, part. Now, in fairness, mm -hmm. we have, the, the province has mandated that we have preventative measures in place within our organizations. So we have, um, for example, with York, we have a Road to Mental Readiness, which is a fantastic program. Um, we love that. Uh, we also have, um, uh, at York, uh, we also have a safeguarding program in place that um, ensures that our officers who are exposed to uh, regularly to traumatic incidences at work, maybe with our 
crimes against children or um, our IDENT, which is our forensic identification, um, that they are mentally well going into the job and that they're uh, evaluated on an annual basis to ensure that they remain mentally well. So we do have resources out there that are preventative. I just think we can do so much more. Mm. Well, well, speaking of, of resource, resources, uh, there's a new nonprofit in the field near and dear to your heart. Uh, it's called The Haven. Um, I know it's closely related to uh, what La Vigile does in Quebec for French speaking officers and first responders, uniform personnel. Um, but let's start at the beginning there. There's so much to, to unpack, but La Vigile, uh, when did you first hear about that and, and what was going through your mind? It's, a, it's really interesting to see how much of an effect SISM has had on my experience. Um, SISM, I was uh, painting my new to me house. At 10.30 at night, I got a call for a member um, in an emergency service who was off on long-term leave and was um, experiencing suicidal ideation. And I was asked to speak with this, this member. And it was at that point that myself and my team lead, uh, Melissa Petrilli at the time, um, noticed that there were just no resources available when our members are in crisis. So Melissa diligently went researching to see what was available out there and came across La Vigile. Um, La Vigile uh, is in Quebec. It's the only nonprofit exclusive to first responders and uniform personnel that is occupational specific and is an inpatient facility for us for only it's only presented in a francophone manner so we we it's not uh, bilingual so i connected with uh, jacques denis simard who was the founder of this organization a 33 year police veteran and he just an amazing man a gift to us and he um, provided us with everything we needed in order to bring La Vigile over to Ontario hmm. as the haven. That's a powerful story and you know 1030 at night you're, you're doing this call um, and I think a important component of that I should maybe just uh, mention is first responders aren't going to go to the hospital no. when something like this happens. That's right. They need something but like you just said, occupational specific, something just for them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. As a matter of fact, we will go anywhere but a hospital. Anywhere but a yes. hospital. Wow. There we go. So, so the Haven. Uh, there's. It's such an exciting uh, journey with the Haven. There's a website now um, that will be linked to uh, on this web article. It's thehaven.cloud, I believe. Right. Yes, it is. Uh, so there's lots happening. It's gaining momentum every time we speak. But uh, you know, what's the number one thing that you want us to know about the Haven as of today? Well, you know, we're, we're ready to go. We're ready to go. We are ready to save lives. We're ready to enrich our members lives we're, we're ready to support we um, are looking for basically um, support from our government in terms of property okay. or anywhere else we're open we're very open um, we're so just to be clear there's no bricks and mortar right now. there are no there right. is no bricks and mortar at the moment gotcha. uh, there I mean we're ready but we're ready to go yep. with the bricks and mortar we are just waiting for the funding and okay. it will happen it's going to happen in the perfect way we're very excited to see how that journey unfolds we're, we're we believe that um, the way that La Vigile has uh, organized their 
organization with having their Sûreté du Québec, which is their OPP, fund $5 from each of their paychecks, um, giving them unlimited access to this amazing facility, this life-saving facility, is a great way of funding it. Now, again, we're open to other methods of funding. We're open to all kinds. We're, we're really we're really excited to see how it unfolds. But at this point, we're really looking to see uh, associations jump on board and say, yes, we want this for our members. We want, we, we are committed to mental health for our members. We want this for them. And, um, and we're going to um, support them from a financial mm -hmm. perspective. That's the next step. And That's it couldn't come at a better time. Uh, We've, we've had so much tragic news uh, just over, well, even th this week, uh, right, with the latest OPP um, member dying by suicide. Um, it is so needed, and uh, if anyone has uh, any more interest in learning more or supporting, uh, they can reach out to you. Your contact information is on the haven.cloud to get more information. Um, any other tips for anybody who wants to be a part of this? Yes, and, and I want to mention, if you don't mind just going back a bit, the wonderful thing about The Haven is it focuses on the member and not the profit. All of the money goes into supporting our members with you know, top-notch evidence-based research um, in terms of uh, programming. Um, it's uh, run by a psychiatrist, so we deal with um, addictions and comorbid, uh, which basically means um, addictions and the mental health issue as well. Uh, we're a, a medical facility um, when it comes to the addiction piece. We were, we're, I think the biggest piece to this is that members don't have to wait to come in. Normally they would have to wait and go through a WSIB process, be diagnosed with PTSD, and, and then um, if they met that diagnosis, then the funding would come about for them. Mm -hmm. For us, the funding, it's the wonderful part about the Haven is it will cost a third, possibly a third of what for-profit treatment centers will cost on top of being occupational specific and exclusive to our, our first responders and uniform personnel. So instead of costing 20 to 25,000, it will cost about six to seven, or six to 8,000 we figure mm -hmm. for a 30 day stay at the Haven really uh, opens up the, the barriers in terms of accessibility. It does, there. it and does. So and the need, the immediate need, the crisis, this is where we want. Our members are put on wait lists sometimes and, and this is not what we want. We want to make sure that we have the number of beds available. And I think another really important piece to mention about the Haven is, you know, we are, we're, we're a partnership of many fantastic resources out there. Um, Badge of Life Canada, which is near and dear to my heart, um, offer fantastic programming, information and education. And, and they, they, I mean, just again, they're a nonprofit organization and an excellent resource for our members. Boots on the Ground, another phenomenal resource that we have, you know, uh, peer support available 24-7 from people who get it because they do what you do. Um, these are all wonderful resources, and even the for-profits are fantastic as well. We need these resources because we will never fill enough beds. We will always need the availability of beds. So we, we believe in working together. We believe in a very positive approach, working together with um, all of the organizations mm -hmm. out there. And uh, that, that's our goal. Our goal is to provide mental health services so that we can save and enrich the lives of our members so they can serve our community in the best way that they can.
Beautiful. Wow. Extremely well said and and just so topical. And I love how competition isn't a part of this. It's no. not about pushing people out no. or, or anything like that. This is about another resource um, and just it's, it's a nonprofit. Yeah. Different way of doing it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, a different true. modality, and in this leading, this leading edge society, um, that's what we need to look at. We need to change it up. We do a lot of research, which is so necessary and so important in our mental health uh, uh, world. However, we need to start taking action. We need to implement our these resources. This, it, we we do we can research till the cows come home. But at the end of the day, it's so important for us to get this up and running. And and uh, I, I just can't tell you how excited we are about. The haven. That's awesome. Well, we are, we're going to stay tuned because uh, you're in the process now of gathering um, support and funding and, and looking for that location. So I, I know there'll be an update before we know it. Definitely. Uh, just just before we move on, uh, you know, a little bit more about, about the haven. For you, what do you think it will look like in five years, ideally? Well, ideally, what we see happening is we're going to have three the havens in Ontario. So we're looking at uh, the central one is uh, will be 45 minutes uh, from the airport, of course, uh, so that we have our remote uh, communities have access to this facility, this organization, this resource. Um, we will have one uh, east of Ontario and we will have one in, on, in the western uh, area of Ontario as well. Uh, of course, our, our greatest goal is not just provincially, but nationally. Mm, wow. Huge. Big, right? big goals. I love it. Absolutely. Let's, why not? Why nationally not? and then, of course, internationally. But first, we're going to look after our, our own country and, and we'll go from there. Wonderful. Yes. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, how can uh, interested listeners get more involved? Mm. I know we touched on that, but I'm going to let you take it away. Thank you. Yes, it, I think the biggest piece is publicity, is okay. talking about it. Let's talk about it. Let's suggest to your your um, association presidents, your chiefs of police, your chiefs of fire, of EMS, of wherever, correctional services, wherever you come from, wherever you're listening to this podcast from, just you know, make sure that you let them know that the Haven is, we're just waiting to start up. We're just, we're right there. Um, we, we want to know that you're interested, that this is a resource that you can use, that let them know that all we're looking for is funding on a regular basis from your, from ourselves so that we're not run by other people. We're not run from, from a for-profit or even a government area. Mm. We, we really want to be, um, independent and, and self-run and we can do that with um, the contributions from our paychecks. Like I say, what's five dollars a pay? It's a Timmy's, right? It's a Timmy's run and, uh, and we're good to go. So um, share that the Haven is coming, Sh share that the Haven is here, educate yourself, please visit our website, have a look and, um, and, and get your organization involved. Beautiful. A non-profit for first responders and uniform personnel by first responders. Yes, by. Run by uniform personnel and exclusive to us. Yeah. You're sitting in a group session. You're going to be dealing with people who've experienced similar experiences. And, and uniform personnel extends to so many pieces. It's our dispatchers. It's our call takers. It's our correctional services. It's our special constables. Um, and, and again, we explain that if you're a volunteer firefighter, we don't expect you to be paying, you know, out of pocket for this. Um, you're going to be looked after. Our, our goal is 
to look after our people. That's really what we want to do. Again, we want to make sure that you're living the best life you can live, that you can support your community in the best way that you can as a first responder or uniformed personnel. Oh, let's make it happen. Let's, <laughs> uh, let's, let's do it, guys. Uh, visit the website, thehaven.cloud. I'm excited to hear what's next. <laughs> All right. Um, so if you've caught any of our previous episodes, you know we end each one with a kind of fun two questions that you might not see coming. Um, so I hope you're ready. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what is something your colleagues might not know about you? Yes. Well, I'm a grandmother. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Okay. Yes. How many? I One grandson, oh. one beautiful boy who's captured my heart and soul. That is not something that a lot of people, as a matter of fact, I usually surprise most people with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Information. For sure. You wouldn't know it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How old is your grandson? He's 17 months. Oh, my yes, goodness. Yes. Yeah, just the love energy. of my life. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, just a sweetheart and a half. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Yes. Nothing like being a grandmother, I'll tell you that. I bet. Mm -hmm. I, I have a godson myself, uh, and he's only two. Um, and it's completely changed my world and, and perspective. Yes, right? uh, yes. How beautiful is yeah. that? You must have a lot of fun with them. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Christmas is coming up again. It's actually my next, um, my December editorial. Um, and just, you know, seeing his face light up with uh, the snow globes. Oh, yes. Homemade marshmallows and things like that. They so. bring a beautiful innocence, don't they? Yeah. They, yeah. they bring an innocence and, um, and, and probably the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah, it's kind of reminded me of, okay, this is why you take some time off. You That's know? right. Yeah, awesome. That's right. All right, so on to our next fun one. Uh, what's the one thing that you, as uh, someone in law enforcement, couldn't live without? That's a really great question. <laughs> and everybody and, has different answers. And I, I thought I had an answer for this. You know, I ha because I am aware of how you run this uh, <laughs> right? this podcast. Um, and, and it's funny because I think the most important piece in, in, as a police officer is, ironically, is, is having my, my mental health. Mm, I like that answer. Wow. We haven't had that one. And, and I would say resources for my mental health. Um, again, I've, I've, no differently than anybody else, I've experienced some uh, mental health issues. I believe it's very important to, um, that we should all have a psychologist. <laughs> I think, and, and if we can, I think it's wonderful if we can have that psychologist before we're in a state of crisis so that we're no different than when you're shopping for an electrician or a plumber. I wrote an article about this uh, in our Blue Line magazine. Um, you know, it's so important to um, make that connecting piece when you're at your norm rather than in crisis. So I would say those mental health resources are, are things that I could not live without. I'm meditation mm -hmm. um, is a big uh, part in my my world and you said one thing I, yeah. I, I, that is encompassed in it's mental all connected. health yeah and no, then I of course it. family family with yes. you know yes. family with that um, with that uh, mental health is another mental health resource yeah. so I would say my mental health yeah. resources taking care of your mind absolutely sure. we, I mean we we go out of our way to take care of our bodies most times not all the time um, but uh, yeah, the, the same can't always be said for, for our minds. And I, I love that you said everybody could use a psychologist, a therapist.
therapist. Let's break that stigma, right? Absolutely. 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 Nothing wrong with going to talk to one. No, no. In a preventative way. Preventative, and it's um, exactly. And again, you don't have to have a reason. No. You you might find you do have a reason when you when you do go in and have that chat. Yeah. And again, it, it's it's a, it's like a dating process. You know, you 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 may go and see one, and especially if you're at a norm, which is really great, you have the opportunity to go. Yeah, you know what? I like this one, or I'm not too sure. I'll I'll go on a second date with this one, and then you know maybe it works or maybe it doesn't. But as a mental health practitioner myself, I can tell you that we want our clients to find a great match for them. So we do not take offense when somebody says, you know, this one didn't work out with you. I'm sorry, I'd like to try somebody else. Matter of fact, a good mental health provider, they always will provide you with a variety of other names and, and potential um, psychologists or, or therapists. So right. it's, it's really great. If you find that you're, you've gone to see one and it didn't work out, please don't give up. Gotcha. Go and see another one, go and see another one. Go find that one until you've got that right dating match the match <laughs> yes that's that's a good reminder actually you know it might just not be the right one for you but exactly. don't give up exactly yeah. absolutely yeah, beautiful mm -hmm. awesome well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me here in the studio today and, and sharing your story, um, as well as providing an update on, on the Haven for us uh, with all of Blue Line's listeners. I can't wait to see it take more shape and uh, one day soon visit with you on the grounds. I know it won't be uh, that far down the road. So we wish you all the luck and uh, light as you continue this work. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, Renee. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Blue Line, the podcast. Stay tuned for a fresh episode next month on our brand new, the brand new theme. Thank you to everyone listening, especially those out protecting our communities. Stay safe, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Goodyear Eagle Enforcer, the recognized leader for police pursuit tires. Goodyear has the tires and technology to help your police fleet perform at its best, no matter the weather. Pursue confidently. Thank you for joining Blue Line, the podcast hosted by Blue Line, Canada's only independent national magazine for law enforcement. 